For the last few weeks, I've been talking about what it's like living in my vehicle in the desert. I was talking to someone who wanted to know more about me, which made me realize that I hadn't really talked about who I am, where I came from, or how I ended up where I'm at now. So this episode's about where I came from, along with some of the history of where I grew up. Hope you enjoy. Hi, this is Amy Jo. This is my podcast, Living from the Bottom to the Top. It's about my dream of going from living in my vehicle to buying a house free and clear. I plan on using a number of methods to achieve this goal from selling online, bartering, law of attraction, and donations. I will pick a subject reflecting on my life as I pursue this goal. I hope you enjoy and continue to listen and please share. Thank you. First, let me apologize for the fact that my last podcast was missing a segment. I didn't realize it until after it was well published and somebody made a comment. Um, my voice is a little raspy. The last bit of smoke from the bobcat fire is still coming through. It's not 100% contained. I believe they said it was at 90-95%, which is great. Now, with the wind blowing, we're getting a lot of the smoke, so my voice will kind of cracks, and occasionally I have a coughing fit. Beyond that, um, like I said in my opening, um, I'm going to talk a little more about who I am, um, because my newfound friend James was asking so many questions, and I realized that maybe you would like to know more about me as well. So, um, I'm 54 years old. I believe I've said that before. As of July, which makes me a Cancerin, and I am the epitome of a Cancer. I'm the mothering type. I can be very emotional. Um, I love water, which makes me living in the desert kind of uh, an oxymoron. Um, as there's no real water in the desert. Um, and I'm like 90 miles or 90 minutes from the ocean. Um, I was born in San Rafael, California, which is near San Francisco. It's actually between San Francisco and Oakland, for those that know California. My parents' names are Carl and Judy. Well, my dad is still alive. My mom passed when she was 56 years old. So, um, I've got a couple years. And then I think that, you know, people say, oh, 50 is when you have your meltdown. Um, 56 might be my meltdown because it was very unexpected. Uh, not inconceivable as my mother was an alcoholic and a very heavy, heavy smoker. I do believe she smoked three to four packs of Pall Malls a day. Um, I'm the oldest and only girl of three. Uh, when I was six months old, my parents moved from San Francisco, uh, San Rafael to Pollock Pines, which is in Northern California. 
Um, my dad started as an edger at Michigan Cal Lumber Mill, which is no longer. It was bought by uh, Georgia Sierra or Sierra Georgia. And then they kind of ran it into the ground and then it burnt and it was never rebuilt. Um, and that was in Camino. Um, after my middle brother was born, we moved to a place called Pleasant Valley. And it really wasn't pleasant for me, other than the fact that I was in the middle of the country. We lived on five acres. Um, and basically a two-bedroom house. And it was a family of four. So that was kind of an interesting living space. Um, Pleasant Valley is 10 miles outside of Placerville. And some of the history about Placerville is actually, it is actually a historical landmark. Um, there are several buildings there. Uh, there, one of the spots is actually marked as a historical landmark is the hanging tree or where the hanging tree originally was. Um, and originally it was called dry diggings. But not many know many know that name as the name changed to Hangtown in 1849. Pretty much after James W. Marshall discovered gold at the Sutter's Mill in Coloma, which is just 10 miles outside of Placerville. Um, or better known, it, you'll hear it referred to as Hangtown a lot. So Hangtown earned its name because of the amount of hangings that happened after the gold the gold rush started um you know from claim jumping horse thieves cattle rustling murder uh, theft and all that um it was pretty because california was still a territory at that time uh, um and from across from the hanging tree was a hotel that's still there and it's called the Carey House. And it's C-A-R-Y if you want to look it, up, look it up. And people would go there to watch the hangings. Placerville is very, very haunted from all of the activity. Uh, I'm not sure when the hanging tree was cut down. But over its stump was built a saloon. And it was called the Hanging Tree Saloon. And it's now an ice cream parlor. <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. Uh, growing up, when I went to high school, uh, my dad was still working at the mill. So he would drop me off at the corner where the courthouse is. And I'd walk up to Canal Street up to El Dorado High. And you'd walk past the, hang tr the Hanging Tree. And at 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock, the bar was closed. Well, if you walked by at a certain point, you'd see people in the, in the bar. At least you thought you did, until you went to do a double take. And then there's nobody there, and it's obviously locked up. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a haunting going on there. 
the Carey house is extremely haunted. Um, they've done lots, lots of ghost hunters have gone there. Um, the name was actually changed to Placerville in 1854 when it became incorporated. And at the time, it was the third largest town in California. Maybe California was a state, not just territory. I can't remember. I'm, I'll have to look up when California was actually ratified into a state. And side note for you, car nuts. Um, here's an interesting fact. John Studebaker started his fortune by making wooden wheelbarrows in Placerville. Um, his shop is also, it's uh, number 142 on the California Historical Landmark. Um, the Historical Society is actually in one of the buildings next to where he made his wheelbarrows. And the ladies there are full of information. Um, the area around Placerville is very historical. Uh, Johnson Snowshoe uh, is talked about. Uh, the Pony Express, which was actually reenacted uh, back in the 80s when a mudslide actually closed Highway 50. And But anyways, more about uh, John Studebaker. Um, he made the wheelbarrows and he took what he made, his little bit of money that he made, which was like $8,000, which was a fortune back then. Um, he went to South Bend, Indiana and added to the Studebaker Wagon Corporation, which his brothers ran. And he was acting, pre he was the president. Until 1868, when it became the Studebaker Brothers Manufacturing Company, with him as the president. Um, and if you look up John Studebaker, you'll see a lot of information about him and how the Studebaker Company went from being building wagons in the Civil War to producing Jeeps and such things for the Army. Um although I don't know that the Eldorado County Fair happened this year thanks to COVID, um, they have what's called the Studebaker Wheelbarrow Contest. And participants race using a replica of his wheelbarrow, and they run through an obstacle course. And if you look up the uh, John Studebaker Wheelbarrow Race on YouTube, you can see some of, the, some of what they have to go through. Um... And the other interesting side note is Placerville is also the birthplace of Thomas Kincaid. Uh, if you want more information about Hangtown or Placerville, just go ahead and Google it and you'll come up with a lot of information. Placerville is P-L-A-C-E-R-V-I-L-L-E. -L -L -E. Um... As I said, my mother was an alcoholic. Um, when she was drinking brandy, which was like her favorite, she was very abusive towards me. Um, 
my brothers couldn't seem to do any wrong. Um, especially my youngest brother, who was born on April 1st, and he was also born deaf. We weren't allowed to tease him, as, according to my mother, he wouldn't understand. Um, my youngest brother is the biggest prankster there ever was, so he completely understands jokes. Um, I was told all my life that it was my fault that I caused my brother's deafness because I brought rubella home. Rubella is a type of me me measles, but I supposedly brought it home from school, and I believed this until I was in my late 40s when I realized that I didn't even start school until the fall of that year. So there was no way I could have brought it home from school. Um, it was just, it was a regular defect. And she somehow came in contact with Ravella. Um, so there's that. Um, a lot of my gifts were uh, shut down during school. Because I was either... I had too big of an imagination and I needed to stop lying. Uh, I believe as a child I used to do astro projection or travel to different places. Um, so yeah, I had some wild stories according to my kindergarten teacher. Um, she probably was my biggest ally. Um, first grade, I got told I talked too much and I was socially unable or not ready to move forward in school so they held me back in first grade so I was if they were going to do it the best time they should have done it was in kindergarten um, but when they did it in first grade I you know my classmates knew who I was if ahead of school or in the you know the upper class and then the other ones thought I was the new student and then realized no I'd been there so I was bullied all through school um, and Gold Oak School at the time was really small. It was one through eight. Um, you couldn't get away from your bully. Um, the one time I tried to rectify the thing, I got in trouble and was sent to the principal's office. And at the time, in the 70s, they were still allowed to use paddles. So I got a paddling. To compromise that, my mother decided to become a school mom, which, looking back in a way, she was kind of a Karen to me. Um, I had to be the proper little girl, and she had given up on at kindergarten of trying to make me wear dresses to school when I came home in pants instead of the dress she sent me to school because I had gotten smart. I had started taking change of clothes to the end of the drive because you had to walk down the driveway to get to the bus stop and I'd duck off into the brush and change into pants. The compromise was I'd wear a dress on picture day. So all my pictures until sixth grade, I'm in a frickin' dress. I hate dresses. I also hate the color pink. 
and White and I do not get along. The only reason I have any white clothing is to work on a car. That's the only reason I have anything white. Um, I was a nurse's aide at one point. I had to wear white. That was... I was very glad when they decided we could wear colors. So I could get out of white. Um, so yeah. And then in fourth grade, I had a teacher that decided that children aren't supposed to write with their left hands. Now remember, I went to school in the 70s, so a lot of things were still... A lot of the old teachings were still prevalent. And she was a very older teacher. And I, at that time, was still writing left-handed. Well, in fourth grade, she decided I needed to be writing right-handed. I got a ruler to the hand a lot. So now my handwriting is crappy. I'm a right-hander. I can write left-handed. But, yeah, I write right-handed. And even doctors have a problem reading my handwriting. Also, back to the fact that my brother is deaf. Technically, my second language is sign language. Um, I'm extremely rusty. I don't talk to my brothers that often. In fact, my one brother has made it very clear he wishes that I don't exist. So be it. And I have to go get a drink because I'm starting to lose my voice. This might be a longer podcast than normal as... You know, this is a lot of information. Plus, having to stop and start and all that. And uh, next week I should have my actual microphone. So things should sound a lot better as well. So, two weeks after my 18th birthday, I got married. Thinking I'd get out of one bad situation and get into a good, better one. Um, I should have known on my wedding day that it was not going to be... A good thing. Uh, we went up to a little chapel in Lake Tahoe to get married. His brother decided to pay for our wedding. Um, the truck that we originally were going, he was going to drive up, um, dropped a tie rod. Uh, his best friend, who my my best friend and I, and he were riding up, and we were all getting headaches and couldn't figure it out. He finally opened the backslider window and things got a little better. Uh, Come to find out he had an exhaust leak. We got up to the chapel and the person I was marrying had forgot his ID. So right there is three strikes. Should have known then that this was a bad idea. But I was young and I was tired of being accused of all sorts of things from my mother who at that time had gone from drinking brandy to drinking beer. Um, That was, I'm not sure exactly between my dad and her, um, that she could drink beer, but not the hard alcohol. Um, I had been told in my teenage years, thanks to a very abusive boyfriend um, who gave me an STD because he'd been screwing around um, that I probably couldn't have kids. I was lucky I ended up having one child 
a boy. And before he was conceived, I actually was getting ready to tell his father at the time that I wanted a divorce. Well, then I found out I was pregnant and I was going to do the right thing and stay married until he was 18 for the child. Until I realized I was kind of like my parents. They argued all the time. And I wasn't going to do that to my son. And also at the same time, the internet came around. And when he was eight, I met my partner at the time. And she lived in Pennsylvania. And he, I had gotten hurt at work. I had been off for months because the doctors couldn't find out what was wrong with my knee. Um, and even to this day, it's still crunch. I mean, they did exploratory surgery trying to find out what was wrong, and they never did. Um, I'm pretty sure that's because it was a workman's comp case. And the doctor I had was could have cared less about, you know. Now, had I been male, could have been a different story. I was female. But my ex decided that, um, well, he wasn't my ex at the time. He uh, came home one day and told me I had to go back to work because my workman's comp wasn't paying the bills. And he had a really good job. And his money paid the bills. It just didn't leave any extra for him to go buy his cars to turn around and sell and buy a new car. It was ridiculous. We had no savings because of this. And at the time, like I said, I'd met somebody. We'd talked. We'd actually met. And we had both agreed originally that, that you know, long-distance relationship would be okay. Well, he came home and said that, and I said, you know what? I'm done. I want a divorce. So my son was eight years old. Um, I did ask him who he wanted to live with, and his dad was the good parent. Let him get away with everything. Sorry, but it's true. Um... And the reason I said that is because I know for a fact he does listen to my podcast. So he decided to live with his dad. And I wasn't going to fight it. I was going to... I moved across country to Pennsylvania. And my... And that marriage was 14 years. Just shy of 14 years. Um... Then, uh... Yeah, so I moved to Pennsylvania to be with her, and we were together for almost 17 years when she basically had the final of her mental break or whatever. Um, her son, at age 19, took his own life on his birthday, which also happens happened to be uh, tax day. In the house that we were living. So. Um, then she had open heart surgery. And I'm not sure. Between the two what happened. But she was never the same after the open heart surgery. Uh, she bought a house in Arizona. Because it was too cold in Pennsylvania. I helped her do a lot of things. And on the way back from there. Um, she'd already been having. She'd been really nasty to me for a while at that point. I should have known something was up, but I was just chalking it up to stress. And I missed a turn because she was asleep. 
and we ended up in some little town in New Mexico, and she freaked out and started throwing all the stuff of mine out of the vehicle. Only I got her calmed down enough to remind her that I had paid rent, and at that time I'd been paying rent for two years. Um, my dad thankfully bought the vehicle, the van that we were in for me. Um, she gave me 30 days to get out of the house. And the only reason she gave me that was because I'd paid rent. Otherwise, I'd had been out within 24 hours. Um, yeah. So, since then, I've been in my vehicle. Um, this is, uh, come this next June, it'll be the sixth year that I've been in my vehicle. I'm trying to find myself. I've been trying to reclaim some of my gifts that I've squashed so that I was normal or fit what society believed in. But thanks to the New Age movement, um, light workers, you know, COVID has helped bring out the woo, as Colette Baron Reed calls it. You know, more people are willing to acknowledge the woo. Um, the mystical, the paranormal, the inner child, the light workers, the lighthouses, that those that work with both light and shadow. Um, I have, I do have some psychic abilities, um, of which I'm starting to get some of them back. Um, I'm an intuitive to a point. Um, I'm definitely an empath, which living in the desert makes it very, a lot easier. Going into town is tiresome. Um, it just messes with my emotions. I get very angry and overwhelmed. Um, uh, like I, I say in my opening, I do believe in the law of attraction uh, from both sides. Um, most people are like, you got to be positive, you got to be positive, which is the light side. But at the same time, there's the emotional and look at the darkness side, you know, light, the light side says, oh, you need to overcome this block. Doesn't say you need to work through it. It's just, you need to come, you know, overcome it, you know, just acknowledge it for a second and then go on the darker side's like no back up and see what actually triggers the response to I can't afford that um, one of the groups that I'm working with now they call that the cha uh, the prostitute I'm working towards alchemizing that into the lover which is I just can't afford that right now um so there's that. So it's, it, it all comes to looking at how that is. I do use oracle and tarot cards. As you know, I, I the last couple I've done the oracle card, which I will do here in a few minutes. I say divine source or the universe a lot. I don't believe in Christianity as such. Um... Because how do you know that just isn't one person's view, mostly male, 
of a story. I mean, could it, is it a fairy tale? Is it real? How do we prove it? Um, and I know that it probably upset a lot of people. I believe that there is a higher power. Um, I do use the word goddess a lot. I use, you know, which is Gaia or nature or whatever. I believe more of the Native American religion or their belief system. And I also believe I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. I believe in dragons, gnomes, fairies, um, what you consider mythical beings. Um, I believe in ghosts. I've seen ghosts. Um, I believe in aliens. We can't be the only ones in the universe. We just can't. Um, so, yeah, now I'm, I'll am i go do the card for the, for the week. And that'll be here just in a second because i got to go get another drink. So I'm still using the Enchanted Map by Colette Baron-Reed. And the question is, what does my podcast audience and I need to know for our highest good this week? And the card we pulled is card number 37, Cleaning House. The quote is, it's time to clear the clutter to make way for better things. Then in the upright, which it was, um, when you see the Cleaning House card in a reading, it's time to declutter clutter your life. Get rid of unwanted things in your physical home and release what you no longer want or truly need. Is there any unfinished business you should address? Thoughts, memories, and emotional baggage must be swept out of your house as well. Your conscious your conscience, conscience must be clear for you to move freely in the world. Celebrate a spring cleaning or at this point, a fall cleaning, and feel the freedom as you make way for better things. Look at what you have resisted, discarding, and being honest about its value. Be honest. Clean the house. And it's an interesting looking card. And uh, like I, I've said before, I'll post a picture on my ko and Patreon pages so you can see what the card looks like. And you know, see what the imagery invokes from you. Um, so that's it for this week. This has been Living from the Bottom to the Top. I hope you would leave me a comment in the voice message section that you can do here on Anchor and the app or on on the website about your reaction to the card that was drawn uh, any other comments are more than welcome uh, questions are welcome uh, any suggestions or what, what else you would like to hear about about me my lifestyle at this moment um, anything that you know you might want to hear about and I might answer, you know, any questions that are asked, I will try and answer on air. Um, do you like hearing about it, having the cards at the end? Or would you like something else? 
Um, you can support me by subscribing to the podcast on whatever platform you're using. So you can be notified every week when I post a new podcast. You can support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash rogue living. I have a number of levels there that you can subscribe at if you wish. I, or if you just prefer to buy you know, a one-time thing, support me one time, uh, you can go to Kofi, Kofi, ko-fi.com forward slash rogue living and you can see what I have there um, they just started a shop which I haven't looked into a lot yet I may start selling mer- merchandise there which also would help me get towards my goal your support and listening every week helps me towards my goals I do get a little bit uh, a little bit of financial up you know the anchor ad actually supports me a little bit at a, a few cents at a time um, I thank you for listening and I hope to see you next week <laughs>